and welcome to the autumn series of Cyberglass Ceiling. My name's Charles James. In this series, we'll be speaking to people around diversity, neurodiversity, as well as the challenges that leaders have in cybersecurity. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello and welcome to my autumn series of um, Cyberglass Ceiling. And today with me, I have a, a chap called Fox Ahmed. Fox was at RBS, Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase, and is now at BNP Paribas. Fox is Global Head of Cyber Technology Regulatory Risk for BNP Paribas. Welcome, Fox. Thank you, Charles. Thank you for inviting me to your autumn show. Thank you very much for coming. So tell us a bit about yourself. So a bit about myself. So I grew up in London. I'm a Londoner. Um, grew up in the 80s in Hackney. Very good. And um, there's been... Yeah, we can we can go about the different challenges faced from the eighties, nineties, <laughs> early two thousand in terms of um, you know um, getting into the workforce mm-hmm. um, from people from different kind of geographic areas as well. Um, so I'm married, three little boys, very young, keeping me very um, busy at yep. weekends, uh, being a taxi driver, taking them to football and after school tuition, and also. Um, they started Shaolin Kung Fu, so they've enjoyed doing that. So, um, and since then, well, moved away from Hackney and live in South East London around Greenwich. Oh, so you've you've upgraded a little bit, is it? I don't know. Slightly, I would say. <laughs> See, no, Obviously, I'm not from London, so uh, you know, I've, yeah. I've you know, I'm, I'm here for work, not even as a tourist. You know, restaurants, bars, yeah, and that's it. But. Um, you know, it's a great place to be. I love it because it is diverse. And again, we'll, we'll touch on that as well. But welcome to uh, my autumn series of Cyberglass Ceiling. Um, we're we're going to get into it in, in a little bit. Um, we, we met, oh, blimey, a, a long while, a little while ago, wasn't it? But we just kept in touch. That's right. Um, uh, knowing that you're at BMP, it's sometimes a good thing because um, I have a day job too as well. And um uh, I thought to myself, yeah, Fox is a good guy to to know. And you'll see from the pictures when we take some pictures, it, it's Pink Shirt Friday. Was it Pink Shirt Thursday? Pink it? Shirt Thursday. Pink Always, Shirt yeah. Thursday. <laughs> so we're, we're both in pink shirts. Um, but never mind. So welcome, Fox. And uh, my first question to you. Um, growing up in the 80s or 90s. So, yeah, I'm a bit older than you, which is not, not a surprise to anybody listening to this. But what was your first job? So before I touch base on my first job, so I just want to um, put the story together for everyone yeah, who's listening. It. So, so it was during so back in the nineties uh, when you're in secondary school, um, a lot of the schools kind of encourage kids who are in their kind of um, when they're fifteen, um, just before they do their GCSEs, to go do work experience. So at that time, there were a number of um, um, opportunities out there who wants to go work for retail who wants to go you know a lot of my friends picked retail because at the time in the 80s 90s next who go boss yeah. self fridges free clothes were, oh yes absolutely <laughs> though the, the aspiration was like, oh you know they see the whole retail industry was um, blooming at the time you know self fridges harrods mm-hmm. uh, as such so so i've actually got into a work placement uh for two weeks uh for a bank not too far from where I am currently right now in Baker Street. Okay. And it was women in the bank um, 
and it was richly um, back then in the 90s a lot of the banks have central so headquarters who were based locally so decision making was done locally so it was a retail bank there mm. was a lot of cash flow through retail bank there wasn't much uh, electronic payments and stuff going around so I managed to get into there look went into the workforce of a bank thought wow you know everyone's in suits everyone's looking smart there's you know so much happening that you don't see beyond you know the front wall of a retail bank mm-hmm. you know so I'm there and um a lot of, I met a lot of great people who were there um they gave me the opportunity I remember once to sit down uh, in a room and count the cash that was there to reconcile it and no. I'm there as a 15 year old no boy kept thinking, oh my gosh there's all this cash on the desk and there's me pointing through the machine I think I still remember the day it was 50,000 pounds in cash and 15 year old boy you like, wow so and, Do you think um, it was a test? Do you think they were could, testing you? It could be a test, but I think I built enough trust equity in them to help, you know, uh, uh, for them to uh, reconcile the cash and stuff. Uh-huh. But through that, I've also, they've also uh, sat down with a number of people to understand what else they do apart from retail banking there was the commercial side of banking there was uh, foreign exchange part mm-hmm. of banking so that was at the time when french francs was there deutsche marks you know and a lot of conversions tourists coming in they would exchange currency and such as well so there was so much to learn which i learned that i would not have learned if from the outside world as a young kid you'll always see there's always retail banking you didn't realize there's a whole world beyond that so that kind of opened up my doors after two weeks thinking, oh, you know, there's an opportunity for me to go there. And um, uh, on my last day of my work experience, obviously, um, they bought me gifts. And here's a 15-year-old boy with a shirt and tie and so you know, was go, going into the office. And and obviously, they were like, oh, if you need a job, you can always come back to us and stuff. I thought well, that was encouraging. So, um, so yeah, so I thought, I thought, all right, that's great. So after my GCSEs were done, mm-hmm. got my GCSEs. So I had two options. So A, I was living in Hackney. It wasn't the best of places to live at the time. So um, I have another guest that said the same thing. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and um, so I had a choice whether I can go ahead and pursue a career somewhere else before uh-huh. I go into college to determine whether, you know, what I like or not. A lot of my friends were going for college. A lot of the colleges at the time in, in the location we were in, um, the subjects weren't too great. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear stories from um, your friends and stuff saying, you know, the college is not the best of places there to be because of, you know... Um, just because of the... If it was the 80s and or the 90s and just being around... Yeah. Hackney and all the, the nonsense that goes with it, I, I suppose. Absolutely. And then you could easily fool yourself into a wrong crowd um, as such. So, um, so yeah, so what I did, um, I went to... So at the time in the 90s, uh, there was um, um, recruitment agencies. Mm-hmm. You know, Adeco, Manpower. Yep, yep. There was a lot of them around looking for um, you know, administrative jobs, school leavers as such. So I polished up my CV... Um, in my old PC, um, who at Packard? <laughs> so uh, went to school five years, did some work experience. Absolutely. So you know, willing uh, to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, as a school leaver, you can't really put much apart from your extracurricular activities you've mm-hmm. done, and uh, and and the school I went to um, was really good in terms of you know um, educating youngsters what they can put on the CV. So I went there, put my CV in. A um, couple of days later. Got a call for an interview um, to NatWest, went through the interview rounds and um, they managed to 
um, successfully got the job. Um, uh, first role was within payments uh, industry. So payments is still a huge industry right now. As yeah, speak. that's that's my day job type thing. Exactly. So um, so and we started, and our work and the head office was based in Kings Cross. So it wasn't too far, but Kings Cross really wasn't a really pleasant <laughs> area at the time, right? So, um, and have you seen it lately? It's, uh, yeah, I've it's, got past it. Yeah, and yeah. it's changed. Oh, it's nice. It, it, it's it's a place now I can take my kids and explore. Yeah, you know. so it was great restaurants as well. I know we're slightly um, going off subject, but great restaurants and great shops. And some people travel down to go. Oh, we go to Kings Cross. Absolutely, um, for a night out, and you're like, okay then. Fantastic. Yeah, I got to Kingscross. I just was in Kingscross yesterday, come back from the Eurostar, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, it's changed a lot. Mm, yeah, so, yeah. I, I like it. There's a couple Even of London Bridge. There. There's the Sri Lankan restaurant there. I went to. Can't remember the name of it. My sister met my sister in there, and uh, food was awesome. It really was. I can't remember. Anyway, don't tempt me. I'm already putting <laughs> a lot of weight. <laughs> so, you know, Somewhere. <laughs> So I'm going to take you back a little bit. Now, some of the things that interest me, and um, we we hear the the sort of the automated AI recruitment bots that are out there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, you've got a name, Fox Armit. That's right. Yeah. My name's Charles James. Yeah. Um, if people, and there is a story about me at the Bank of England when before LinkedIn was a thing, and someone was looking for some white guy called Charles James. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was me. Um, and it goes on to a, a couple of questions, but we won't go there right now. But it seemed like that because you didn't face any sort of, ah, oh, Fox Ahmed, we didn't have AI back then, yeah. but you're still given the opportunity to, to interview and you're still given the opportunity to have those discussions. And it wasn't a barrier. No. So I reckon it wasn't a barrier for... so. Working for NatWest, I've actually so the so the department head, um, she was also um, half Egyptian, so she and obviously when I worked in there, there was um, a good diverse mm. uh, number of people. There's there's people who I'm still friends with that I worked with since then, um, and uh, yeah, they're probably going to listen to this podcast as well. So, but they've been an advocate and an ally of me since then, but. Uh, in terms of the naming, you know, when I went in there, there were also people's names, like, that sounds very foreign than my name as well, who were also working there. So I think back then, you know, there, there was, a, you know, when there are people of of position who are from different race and ethnicity, they they, they don't see that, they don't see the name as a, you know, yeah, a barrier. A barrier. Yeah. They'll just try and say, right, is this person right fit? And I think that's the way which I understood when I got there, because the, my role was very, very junior role, right? So, um, so yeah, I think that kind of helped. And that was in the nineties. And and again, because I'm slightly older, I, I can sort of think back to the mid eighties, early nineties, and um, where sometimes, not saying all the time, but it may have been a barrier because um, you didn't have a, a a computer or whatever. You might have had a human going. Oh. And we've heard the stories, and and we we've seen the outcomes. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. Um, so you, you're with your friends um, and, and you're, you're doing stuff and you're yeah. like, do you know what, I'm learning, I'm earning, I'm getting my, 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 my threads from the local shops, I'm looking cool, um, as we all used to do, I think, in the 90s. Um, and then IT. 
how did you go from payments into IT? I did a lot of self-learning yep. at the time. So my knowledge was picking up based on the um, industry that was happening at the time, right? So my personal interest always kept going on, you know, as you would do, you you listen to the news, you'll try and do your own stuff and, you know, build your own gaming PCs and stuff and as well and stuff. And then um, mobile phones became a thing with, you know, smartphones. We yep. had, you know, Nokia then. And, and I was going to sort of say about, um, you know, how you go from a, a HP um big old box yeah. of a, with, with a tower. Yes, that's right. With the tower. And, you know, how technology's changed in 30 years. You know, technology always moves. Every day it always moves. And I always use the old adage that, you know, have you still got the same phone you had three, four years ago? No, you don't. Yeah, You're always upgrading it because it's always changing and there's new technology. And, and, and that's the same in IT. Yeah, That's the same in the, whether it's in the working environment um, that's the same in in, in the, the threats as well, um, the threats that come along. And again, we'll, we'll touch on, you know, our, our cybersecurity stuff, but um, understood. So you are a type of person that wanted to know, learn more. You wanted to understand more. You wanted to get into the nuts and bolts of a PC. Absolutely. Um, which is, you know, quite endearing. Um, so it sort of brings me on to the next question and it's about the workplace again so there's Fox, a young Fox yeah. and he's, he's, he's you know doing great in the payments bit and he's he's got this eye looking at how do you do this and why do you do that and why does that do that yeah. and asking those questions so when you went for that did you go for an internal job at NatWest? So, yeah. So I think from the payments world, I did a number. So from the payments world, I had a huge number of opportunities within the bank. Um, and I was fortunate enough to go through to have different roles. Um, one of the roles um, which I did was a lot of digital uh, and operational transformation stuff. So it wasn't called digital at the time. It's called more technology operations. Mm -hmm. So um, throughout my journey, I did... Um, um, extracurriculum kind of certifications. So I end up being a Lean Six Sigma Black Belt qualified oh, wow. project. Yeah, so there's uh, Lean Six Sigma, there's yellow, there's green, then there's Black Belt. Um, and in order to achieve the um, accreditation, you need to present a uh, on a Black Belt a kind of a significant project, which is also saving money and cost and also having process efficiency, like operational efficiency in place as well. Mm -hmm. And you have to go for an interview, right? So that's the process. Um, and it was through an external um, association called the British Quality Foundation, um, which I had to go present my case in terms of my project deliverables and, and, the, and the methodology and approach. So there's a lot of stuff going in there. So how I got to cybersecurity. So it wasn't called cybersecurity then. It's mostly technology risks and, you know, so yeah. So, yeah. So throughout the kind of uh, mergers and acquisitions, which I helped support the integrations of platforms and systems, then also the internet age happened. So mm -hmm. you had your traditional banks, right, who are now opening up their infrastructure and data to allow people to access the internet through a web browser to look at the transactions, make applications. And we were supporting the design and operations and how that's going to um, work as well. And a lot of the questions I have is the what if. Mm. What if a client's uh, username or password gets breached? What happens? What 
you know, and it's the what ifs from the external perspective of the clients in terms of the external threat landscape and internally as well, which helped me kind of understand a bit more about the technology risks and controls we need to put in place through the encryption and everything else. So when you're looking at internal risks from third parties, when you're adding, uh, let me think about it a minute. I'm just, I'm trying to draw a picture on my head because I speak about this all the time. Yeah. But yeah, the third party risk. Yeah. What if from, from coding, yeah. um, adding applications, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a thing. Um, okay. You don't write the code, but you're, you're responsible for if you bring in a new application that that code is secure absolutely uh, and how do you know how what happens and what how to do that the the process around that as well yeah uh, about bringing in third party applications um yeah it, it's it's a absolute minefield because while you're doing that our friends the nice mr hacker is always trying to think of a backdoor absolutely um, always trying to put um let's say when you do develop write code and you do development well like that and you go to a library uh, to get that code um you know they I'll chuck that in there and yeah. let's see what happens and i'll come back to it in you know six months time and see where it, this is the world we live in absolutely we, yeah. and, I, and i get that so um but you've got to recognize as well that so um early 2000 when the banks were starting to open up their own infrastructure there mm-hmm. wasn't this whole need of third party there no. wasn't you know everything was closed in-house right hardware data centers, everything. Um, so then slowly over time, you know, outsourcing became a thing, um, uh, less cost, um, shared risk as well. Um, so, yeah, so you kind of see the threat landscape kind of changing over time when you look at from the internet age, then, the you know, opening up your platforms and mm. introducing third-party vendors to kind of support your processes, you know, through certain things. So um, a lot has changed over the decade, but... I'm sure we can cover it. So yeah, so my my stage into getting into technology. So through the project management deliverables, uh, went into risk as a technology risk and control area, looking at you know what you essentially do now in cybersecurity, looking at our technology risk posture internally, what's our inherent risk, residual risk, where we apply certain controls, um, and there's a whole different world out there, you know. Oh, <laughs> so we yeah yeah we're, we're there. Good. We're, we're going to kick on. Um, we'll be back. Going to take a break and we'll be back after these short words. This episode was brought to you by Salt Cybersecurity, part of Salt Group, who specialise in providing trust across digital channels by helping major financial institutions verify the identity of their users and authenticating high value transactions in the UK and globally. And welcome back um, again to uh, Cyberglass Ceiling, my autumn series. And we've still got Fox, Fox Ahmed from BNP Paribas. We've spoken a, a lot about how you uh, as an individual have um, looked after yourself, encouraged yourself to learn more, do more, um, understand more about the business that we're in and what you do, hence why you're the head of. Um, so, you know, at work, what do you regularly do to promote yourself? So, and I think this is another one which um, is, a, again, not a straightforward answer. So, um, I have um, different um, allies 
um, uh, in the workforce, um, different professional coaches, I would say, mm-hmm. which is, I would explain in detail uh, in that in a bit. So in terms of promoting myself, I ensure that um, I always go the extra mile in terms of what I need to do. Um, I have a lot of transversal skills, mm-hmm. um, which from my past roles, which I can bring to the table um, to the, um, to help kind of promote myself. So um, if there is a situation where um, um, which allows for me to apply my knowledge and skill into, you know, help supporting the team, yeah, um, I would do that. I'll kind of put myself forward to say, you know what? This is an area which I can probably help contribute to your stuff and, and do. Have you got an example? So when so so an example of uh, me pushing myself. So I would say, so a lot of the the, the work we deal with at the moment is more strategic in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we help shape the the work uh, opera, uh, the operating model of the work um, as well, or transformational um, elements? So in terms of my knowledge that, you know, through working through the banking sector for, I think, for now, 25 plus years, um, you you get to... You still look like a puppy. I know, I know, see, no, it's the, uh, um, the oil of Yule, you know. The youth, yep. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so I think with the knowledge gained, um, I, I would then... Um, able to then articulate and express to the people who are working different kind of projects and programs to kind of contribute to their efforts or what they needed and provide a different perspective and lens because sometimes um, some of the the people they may not have um, a particular knowledge area or or a more panoramic view Mm -hmm. of everything else that's going on because right now you mentioned you've got AI you've got machine learning you've got quantum you know quantum computing and everyone's looking at oh oh my gosh what do we do (laughs) in terms of uh, preparedness as we know banks we have diverse customers they're not all the same and you know i make this running joke about they're not all white guys in in bad t-shirts with ponytails um and bringing the people into the workforce that are mirrored of your customers um makes for a better workforce makes for a better understanding of uh how a, a a bank should move forward Absolutely. In, in in some sense. And um, I've been working in, in this industry of security stroke, Microsoft stroke, salesy type thing for, you know, I'd say a bit longer than 25 years. And, you know, I've, I've seen the change. And you're right, a lot more still needs to happen. And, um, you know, it, it's up to us. It's our responsibility to understand that you know being different whether it's neurodiverse whether it's being you know from the lgbtq community or or black asian female it don't matter Mm -hmm. we're all people absolutely and it's how how can we represent that within uh, our workforce so i think one of the things that helps a lot is by um representation so if you have people of um, you know, different race, ethnicity, and stuff. They see a coloured person in a leadership role. They will aspire to that, thinking actually there is an opportunity. Mm. If I, you know, tick all the boxes, work well as such, that there is an opportunity and a pathway to get to that kind of leadership role. So, so within 
my role, I also do a lot of diversity kind of outreach as well. Uh, we've got a college coming from an area which is uh, has a lot of um, it's an underrepresented community, meaning meaning the fact that um, they have um, parents who may not have gone to university, uh, parents who may not work in a corporate environment. They don't get to see the mm. whole, you know, the, the the you know the people of color in the workforce. You know, they probably see retail and other areas and thinking about that's the area they want to go to. So we kind of get the students in here to actually. There's another world. We have we have a, a whole range of different kind of leaders from different parts of the world. You know, and that kind of then puts some sort of uh, aspiration to the youngsters to think actually. It's not as black and white as we will see it in the, you know, sometimes in the news and the media mm. that there isn't opportunities and stuff, but there is another world out there which you know, we encourage to, you know, um, um, from from the young age to to get them to understand there is, you know, opportunities out there. Absolutely, and you know, a lot of well, everybody I've interviewed and are interviewing have that drive and determination you've got it yeah that drive and determination anyone wants to do a masters when you've got three little boys <laughs> <laughs> but that drive and determination and that sets people like yourself and my other guests apart from other people because we recognize and you know we, we, we'll touch on it again that sometimes we've got to do that go that extra mile do that extra thing to be recognized by our peers and you think well who are our peers and you know as as we get older as 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 we come into 2024 you know we we i can still look at the the tier one banks and uh our people of color on that board probably not will it happen in 10 years time probably will you never know you may see me on one of them (laughs) (laughs) exactly good person snow fox so for me, it's exciting times. Yeah. Again, this whole podcast is not about a, a bitch fest. And I say yeah. that it's about celebrating the fact that um, a, a young boy from Hackney um, has challenged himself and has driven himself uh, to to do what he does and is at the top of his game. It brings me on to the last few questions. Um, we're both in cybersecurity. Um, so what practical advice would you give your family and friends looking to looking at the threat landscape as it is so with this one so i was thinking about it thinking there's different threat landscapes from the younger generation of the kids to the adults so the threat landscape's different so you've got to educate them mm-hmm, differently, absolutely right so as a good example um my young kids they all got a tablet unfortunately and <laughs> and they're always on youtube or playing roblox or minecraft yep. um and roblox and minecraft i think it's good for ed- their education awareness as well they have fun but there's there's things they learn for it as well but then what i've observed is they'll get youtube ads pop up here and there um you can't control the youtube ads as much as you could do uh, that come through and some of these ads you know they could be attempts to gather information data so it's more or less educating to say um wherever where it looks appealing where they may win robux <laughs> don't click on it yeah. so you know do not go ahead and click on it then go and ask your parents for money and stuff just to buy the credit so so their threat landscape is a lot more different um um than i would say uh our generation or the uh olders as well so yeah it's more about educating them for them not to click on links and it's the tablets or download anything as well that may uh, look appealing for my friends, um, I would um, send ones on WhatsApps, 
they're on different communication platforms. Um, they're all in different professional roles. Um, um, some have really great knowledge. Um, some um, who may not have the you know the knowledge needed to understand you know what is a, a, a risks they need to look out for. Mm. So. For us at this age, I think HMRC text messages that come along where you can get a refund of X amount of money, yep. do not click on it. So wherever that, <laughs> that you find that is too good to be true. Yeah. I say to my kids, look, you didn't win shit, don't click on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Because so. you're not going to stop the bad actors from doing what bad actors do. Absolutely. But what we can do is just keep them educated. Don't click on shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's it. What would you give advice to your 20 year old self so hi fox you're 20 years old what's the advice you now would give him um looking back at your career not that you're going to finish your career anytime soon by the way oh that is an interesting one <laughs> so, so I've, I've messed around with the questions a little bit yeah that's know. fine so it, it's um it's not going to be an easy journey meaning um you'll love it and hate it at the same time same with mama you either love it or you hate it i quite like mama yeah so you love it so but the journey to get here you're continuously learning um you you um have to build up a lot of knowledge and have different skill sets so in our industry you know apart from the technical side you've got to have communication skills you're mm -hmm. going to have reporting skills mm -hmm. you've got to be able to articulate the technical skill technical text into business text uh, to keep it simplified as mm. well um, um, problem solving um, and I think that's probably one of the things I probably when I'm younger self is probably like problem solving I think that's what we're in cybersecurity that's what we do right we, there's an issue there's a risk mm. how do we solve the problem and you need to think you know have methodologies approaches in place to understand how can we fix the problem but one of the things is I will always say is and I think you know, one of my mentors kept saying it as well. I think it's uh, people or stakeholder management. You can have the best processes, best tool, mm -hmm. right? But if the people don't use it or the people don't know how to use it or not knowledgeable, they won't be able to think it. So I think understanding, you know, how to build relationships, influencing, learn all of the softer skills as well. Um, and also technical skills you learn along the journey. But the technical skills will be based on different segments of what you want your career to start off with. I don't know what you, what do you do for fun because you got three boys, you've done your masters, um, you travel yes, a lot for yes. work. So where, where's the fun in? What do you do? Um, I would say when I get the opportunity, I have a gaming PC in my room. I go on Call of Duty. Oh dear! <laughs> and I can't play Call of Duty right now because you get the youngsters come in, and as soon as I land, I'm I'm out. I'm trying to get back into running. So before the kids, I used to do run uh, as well. Um, so in Paris, uh, yesterday I did a 10k run. You, you kidding me? I'm not, I can show you the picture. And, <laughs> and I was there and I'm thinking, you know what? I can see Eiffel Tower in the distance. Final question. This is about you, not me. And, uh, my love of Parisians, um, your USP, what would you say your USP is your unique selling point? So my unique selling point right now is that I'm able to kind of, in my role, understand the, from the business perspective of what they want to do in order for the technology to apply a certain um, perspective. Because sometimes when you're working in technology, you kind of lose the whole focus of your clientele. What mm -hmm. is it that the business wants? Mm -hmm. We're applying a lot of pressure. We want to add this, we want to add this. It could slow the process. They want to be able to fast onboard clients, 
be very agile. You know, they've got competition against peer banks. So I think it's the ability to help understand what the business needs, mm. articulate it in a way um, back to the technologist um, because there's... I kid you not, there's probably like different languages that the business and technology speak. <laughs> so you need somebody in the, in middle, the middle to absolutely to, to put it all together really. and stuff. And uh, you know, um, so yeah. So I think with that, there's you know um, all the transversible skills, all the non-technology skills. I would say is important. Um, I'll go back to it. Communication skills is important. Report writing is mm. important. Mm -hmm. You know, um, stakeholder management is one of the biggest areas. I would say, like if you're going, if you're you know getting into it, that is still important. You know, so that's my unique selling point. Awesome. Is... Fox, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Thank Charles. you. Thank you for um, joining me in the studio. Um, everybody, Fox Ahmed, thank you for being on Cyberglass Ceiling. Thank you, Charles. For your time. This episode was brought to you by Salt Cybersecurity, part of Salt Group, who specialise in providing trust across digital channels by helping major financial institutions verify the identity of their users and authenticating high-value transactions in the UK and globally.